This is a spoiler warning, you insignificant worms. So take heed, for I am Baalzaman, heart of the dark. The lowly mortal who creates this content has read the series cover to cover, book to book, many, many times. He will be discussing everything he can think of, irrelevant, relevant, regardless. So... Take heed of my warning. If you have not read the series all the way through and spoil something for yourself, well, who is to blame, listener? Not I. Not I. Hello all, and welcome back to our second consecutive week of Gleeman Radio. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with this, and I hope you guys are too. I'm your host, Tom, and before we get into, the, into anything else, I would like to do a brief shout-out to our very first subscriber and commenter, Wist White. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, what's also cool is their, uh, thumbnail appears to be Rise of the Neuroclan, so I like them even more. That's cool. I love that anime. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't really want to take too much time on the introduction because this is, according to my Audible account, the longest chapter so far. So I'd really like to just get right into it, but before we do that, we do need to have a brief... What happened last time on Chapter 4, The Gleeman? And, well, Tom Marilyn, well, Cat, will you leave me alone? I, this is the second time I'm trying to record the introduction because the cat keeps trying to get my attention. This is ridiculous. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I've interrupted two introductions now. Uh, so, yeah, last time Tom Marilyn was introduced, very cool. Uh, I probably like him so much because... One, he's a fantastic and very interesting character. But two, my name is Tom, and I'm an aspiring writer, so I, I don't think it's too surprising that I would gravitate to the master storyteller as a favorite character. Uh, and what's even more interesting is he gave a lot of information that will correlate to what happens later in this very book. He, for some reason, mentions he was a court bard. I, other than Taviran, I have no explanation for that. He talks about warders, Trollocs, Aes Sedai, Green Men, and in one of his tellings of the stories, he talks about men running with animals. So, so much of what he brought up will actually happen in this very novel, which I find very, very interesting. So, yeah, Tom disappears when Moraine shows up and has a few, I don't know, coded words with him. Uh, Nynaeve comes out calling everybody idiots. Apparently she's trying to kick Moraine out of town for calling her a child. I don't know. Come on, Nynaeve, I want to root for you, but that's ridiculous. And Tam decides Rand and him are going back to the barn because the Dark Rider is obviously real, and they would prefer to make sure the house is alright. I think we all wish he, they'd made a different decision and stayed in town, because even though the town gets attacked, I, I don't know, the greater numbers would have been better. But yeah, that's what happens, so without further ado, let's just jump right into Chapter 5, Winter Night, because I, I don't, I don't want to wait anymore. So let's just do that right now.
Some Trollocs can hear like a dog. Maybe better. But Trollocs are just... Rand let the words trail off. Not just a story. Not after tonight. Those things could be Trollocs or the Dark One himself, for all he knew. Are you sure? He whispered. I mean, Trollocs. I'm sure. Though what brought them to the two rivers? I never saw one before tonight, but I've talked with men who have, so I know a little. Maybe enough to keep us alive. Listen closely. A Trolloc can see better than a man in the dark, but bright lights blind them, for a time at least. That may be the only reason we got away from so many. Some can track by scent or sound, but they're said to be lazy. If we can keep out of their hands long enough, they should give up. Alrighty then, I think that was the best chapter so far to date. I mean, I really, really like chapter 4. But, I don't know, maybe I forgot how awesome Chapter 5 was. I, I, I just, going into it, I was just like, oh, great, Rand's going to get home, and him and Tam are going to be attacked. This is going to be so much fun. But no, it was actually really fantastic. So, the chapter begins with Rand and Tam actually just arriving home, and uh, the sun is not all the way down, but I think it's a bit past midday. And that's when we kind of, like, get a description of the, the, the farm and everything else. Uh, apparently, it's not very big compared to more, most Two Rivers farms. But that's because, apparently, uh, most of these farms have, like, huge generations of families. You know? I mean, think about Perrin's uh, farm when you come back in book four. It had his cousins and his aunt and uncles and his grandparents and his parents. I mean, that's how most farms are in the two rivers. But Rand and Tam are the only ones there. So it's a bit smaller than most. Uh, apparently the, the yard is in the shape of a triangle. Not the yard, but the buildings. There's the uh, farmhouse, which is square. And then nothing's in the shape of a triangle. The placement of the buildings is in the shape of a triangle. Uh, with the house, the barn, and the stone sheep shed, uh, where they have some sheep in there. Uh, they have a shearing and curing sheds, because apparently uh, most farmers in the Two Rivers can't bo get by with just their farm, so they also have to sell wool and tabak. Uh, Tam is examining the ground intently, uh, moving through all the buildings and around them, and checking the well for poison. He kind of dips his fingers in, uh, takes a sip and then uh, spits it out, and then he laughs, and he's like, well, maybe I'm being ridiculous. But when you really think about it, uh, knowing who Tam really is, it kind of makes his investigation a little bit more meaningful. Like, you know, if Tams didn't spot anything, there really isn't anything, or at least nobody's been here yet. Uh, so that goes on with before the lights goes down, they need to do more chores. Uh, they describe how work is never done on a farm, because as soon as you finish one thing, two more crop up at its place, which I think is amusing and probably very true. That's how it seems about the housework in my house, and we don't have nearly as much crap to do. Maybe I'm just lazy. We'll see. Uh, yeah, so Rand unsaddles and rubs down Bella with hay. He feeds Bella and the pigs, and the, not the pigs, the uh, sheep and everything. He maintains the animals. Uh, he goes and takes care of the chickens, and he talks about how the chickens are getting more clever at hiding their eggs, because he only found, like, three, and, uh, I don't know, maybe you guys 
Uh, maybe there's someone listening who has more experience with chickens than I do. Uh, when I was in high school, we lived just outside, uh, you know, we lived just on the outskirts of town in Oregon, and uh, we had chickens. Uh, my mom was super into it. We, it was a way to have uh, extra eggs we didn't have to pay for, and kind of they turned into mom's pets. And uh, I don't know. She wouldn't have really done well on a farm because when one of them passed away, she wanted me to bury it, and my stepdad and I wanted to eat it. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. They never really hit the eggs. Uh, they were always in the in the egg box. So I don't know. Maybe that's just something in the story, or maybe someone out there does know a little bit more about chickens hiding eggs. I've never experienced that. Uh, so they're continuing to do their chores, and Rand feels assured when he sees Tam come out to like mend a harness or something that uh, Tam still has a spear, which makes him feel be feel better about having his bow with him. Uh, so this is a lot of a lot of talk about chores. I don't know why I put this much notes about chores, but they spend some time on it. Uh, probably just to kind of world build here, you know, like, you know, this is everything they have on their farm and he's going to do some hoeing, but there's only vegetable, uh, there's only a little bit of weeds sprouting up, no vegetables. So they're worried about food and, you know, all that stuff. And finally, the end of the chores comes around. This went on for a while. I'm talking about chores way too much. Uh, he's cutting wood until about nightfall. And he doesn't remember the last time he didn't need to cut wood because, you know, the never-ending winter. Uh, and this this is what he said, the reason I uh, read it down, because it interests me. He was cutting pine for a quick, hot, a quick hot flame, and he was cutting oak for long burning. Is that true? I've never actually, I don't think I've ever really cut firewood. Uh, we have a fireplace here at this house, but it hasn't been used in like 20 years. I mean, we only use like, you know, the heaters. So I don't know. If you guys know that, let me know that too. Uh, this ends with them going into the house and it's time to prepare for dinner. Uh, they describe the house as lived in. And I really, I really like that. It's not spotless. You know, there's a shirt hanging here or there. There's a book on the armchair with... Tam's uh, pipe rack and all that. It's 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 not spotless. It's lived in, and that's actually how I prefer it. I, I, I honestly, when I go into a house that's too clean, I feel uncomfortable. I don't know if that's weird or not. You know, I don't I don't want things to get dirty. I, I I'll admit I'm horrible at chores, quite often. But I don't know. I when a house is too clean, <laughs> so Tam locks the doors as they prepare for dinner which is something Rand has never experienced in his memory, that nobody in the Two Rivers not locks their doors because there's no need. So while he's busy setting the table, his father goes upstairs and Rand hears this big, heavy scraping. And he's like, holy crap, that's, that's Dad uh, pulling the chest out from under the bed. Uh, the, another thing that he doesn't ever remember hearing. And when Tam comes back down, he has a sword belted to his waist, we finally get to see the Heron Mark sword. Uh, it's got Bron Herons on both the scabbard and the hilt. And Rand was like kind of shocked. He's like he never even considered that his father would own a sword. I mean, what's the point? Uh, he also notes that it looks like Land's sword minus the Herons. I think that's interesting because they're both power out swords. And they're both described as katanas, you know, uh... Single-edged, slightly curved blades that look kind of fragile, but they're ridiculously strong. 
which I love. I love how he said the uh, the majority of the swords he'd seen were from the merchant guards, and they were double-edged and big enough to cut down a tree. So, like, I'm imagining that the most of the swords Rand sees are broadswords and not uh, katana. And Rand, like, really wants to know how his father got the sword. He, this, is, this is a really curious notion for him, and he kind of starts asking his dad. And Tam wasn't super helpful in this kind of moment. <laughs> He's like, you know, uh, I got it a long time ago and I paid too much for it. Two coppers is too much for something like this. And, and Rand is shocked, you know. He's like, maybe I should have given it away a long time ago. Your mother wanted me to, but I could never bring myself to do it. Yeah, Rand is Rand is shocked. He's like, why would you, why would you throw away the sword? It looks so grand and awesome, and like I've always daydreamed of having a sword. Why would you throw it out? <laughs> and, and Tam's just kind of like, well, what use is it? Can it shear sheep? Can it hoe crops? Can it? Like, what use? does this have? Tam is left by war behind. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I think a lot of Robert, Robert Jordan's work here is a lot of the veterans who know war never really relish going back to it. Uh, there's a scene much later in the series where, like, uh, what's his name? Gareth Brynn. He's like, you know, he learned at some point that there was no glory in war. You know, Tam is like, you know, he left it all behind. What's the use of a sword? You know, and all that stuff. And I feel... Uh, oh, goodness. So, uh, I, I, I overskip myself. It'll be just a second. Tam's good instincts to bring out a weapon. We know it's a wonderful thing that he brought it out. Because he's saying, you know, maybe I'm being crazy. Maybe the weather is blackening my mood. But I want to be ready just in case. And the stew's ready, and everybody's about ready to eat. Rand just has to get the tea, and Rand wonders where his father got the sword. And this always bothered me, because we never got enough information on this, did we? We never really did. Uh, Moraine gives us a little bit of information in book two, but it's not very long. And I don't know where I got this idea in my head. I swear I read it in an interview or somewhere that Rand was presented... Uh, his heron-marked, not Rand, Tam was presented his heron-marked blade by the King of Ilion himself. But I can't find that information everywhere. Uh, everywhere, anywhere. So what I decided to do is pull out my The Wheel of Time Companion, The People, Places, and History of the Best-Selling Series by Robert Jordan, Harriet McDougall, Alan uh, Roman... Suk and Maria Simmons. I don't know how to pronounce Alan's last name. I do apologize. And I want to read Tam's uh, thing here. Not the whole way through, but I, I, it, it gives me more interest in, uh, information. I, I can speak, I promise, than I ever knew. Uh, Tam Althor, Rand's adoptive father. His full first name was Tamlin. Did anyone know that? Did any of you know his name was Tamlin? I didn't. Uh, he was a blocky, bluff man, about 5'10", with brown eyes and hair that was mostly gray with a little black. In, 99, uh, in 998 NE, I think that's New Era, that's the year that, like, this is happening right now in the story. But which turned completely gray by the time of the last battle. Well, it turned completely gray by book four, but, you know, let's go, whatever. Uh, Tam was born in 940 NE to a farmer 
to a farming and shepherding family near Emmons Field and ran away from home in 956 NE, so when he was 16, to see the world. He enlisted in the army of Ilion a year later in 957, and he fought in the, in the White Cloak War from the summer of 957 through the autumn of 959, gained him an appointment to the Elite Companions. So only about three years after he left, he was part of the Companions. He married a merchant's daughter in 965 NE, so when he was about 25, and gaining... Uh, do I skip something? Yeah, 965, he married Carrie, and this is where it gets sad. They had two children, a girl who died of a fever in infancy, and a boy who was stillborn. So, there, there's a reason Tam was so willing to scoop up an infant that needed help from the battlefield and take it home to his wife and raise him, you know? They've had two children that didn't make it, and that's really kind of sad. Uh, an elite companion, married, merchant's daughter, two children. Uh, he became a blade master in 966 NE, a year after he married Kari, and when he was only 26, can you believe that? He served in two wars with Tyr from 962 to 965, gaining the commission of as an officer, and from 970 to 976, rising to the second captain of the Companions. It was generally known that he would have received this honor sooner and likely to have risen to first captain had he been an Ilioner. So since he was an Andoran outlander, they couldn't bring him to the top spot. But he would have gotten up there much quicker or gone all the way if he had not been from uh, far away. Uh, that's all I really want to read uh, from that. I mean, it goes on to talk about, you know, when the Trollocs come and Moraine saving him and, you know, uh, Cadzawain uh, manipulating him. Uh, the only last bit I want to talk about is that before the last battle, Tam recruited more men from the two rivers. And when he went to battle again, it was with Perrin's army, which he commanded after Perry left to, Perrin left to help Rand. Perrin also made him a lord and steward of the two rivers. This has always been a question for me, even though it's like way towards the end of the series. Fael is the next in line to gain Saldea, but they're also the steward and lords of the two river. And so I was like, you know, we'll, we'll, what will happen? They will go to Saldea, right? Like, but they have other responsibilities. But no, no, as it turns out, Ran, uh, Tam is now the Lord of the Two Rivers, which is cool, but I don't actually expect him to stay there, to be honest. I always expected Tam to um, move into the royal palace after <laughs> after Tarmagaiden, uh, you know, take care of his grandchildren, but uh, I, I, I don't know. I am going so off-topic, it's not even funny here. Uh, yeah, so I read that, Tam's entry in the Companions. Yeah, so he was 38 by the time he came home. And he's 58 in the story currently. So Tam is getting on in years, but he's obviously still younger than Tom Marilyn. That's what it was. So this is it. Just as Rand is getting the tea and it's about time to have dinner, he's holding the teapot in his hand with the towel so it doesn't burn him. There's this huge bang on the door. And uh, they're like, holy crap, what was that? 
And uh, I love how for a second, Rand is wondering if it's the nearest neighbor. I don't remember the name they gave, but they, they, they called him a shameless borrower. <laughs> but that the nearest farm was still like a whiles away. And it would be kind of odd for them to come over and even in the middle of the night, no matter how shameless of a borrower they are. And that's when the locked door bangs open, splittering off the wall, and a huge figure in spiked armor with a scythe-like sword fills the doorway. One arm to break, uh, shield it. One arm to shield its eyes from the light. And just like that, we have our first Trollocs of the series. Hooray! I don't... Oh, man. So we all know Tam was going to be awesome in this moment, regardless to the fact that he gets a little hurt later. It was only a scratch, and he was outnumbered by Trollocs. Something he admits in just a little bit that he's never actually encountered in person before. Just showing that even though Tam probably hasn't used his sword in 20 years, he's still got th some skill. I was wondering in uh, Chapter 1, if Tam had encountered the Fade with his sword on him, could he have won? And again, I'm still not sure at this moment. Tam in practice with his sword? I have no doubts. Tam 20 years out of practice and getting scratched by a Trolloc... I, I don't think uh, this Tam could have could have won. Maybe maybe book four Tam after he's getting back in practice, but I I, I don't know I don't know. Uh, but what impresses me is how Rand acts in this. I mean, yes, he is terrified, but his first action through a scream of terror is to stroll is to throw the boiling hot kettle at the Trolloc, and it kind of works. You know, this scream of boiling water, and then Tam comes in and cuts him down, and then another one tries to get past, and Tam cuts him down. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. Tam may be out of practice here, but he is obviously no joke, you know? Maybe the sword is kind of like riding the bike. You never entirely forget, you know? So Tam sends Rand running off, you know, run, lad, it's dangerous, go out the back. And uh, Rand is ashamed that he runs as quickly as he does, but he does. Uh, and But he's smart about it, like he's ashamed he runs off, but he goes to the back door, sees that it's locked, that it's never locked, and instead of deciding to opening the door, he instead goes through a window, which is good because he's trying to keep his dad from being ambushed from behind, and there are Trollocs, like, right out to the back door, too. So he does get out the window and kind of get around as Trollocs are breaking in the back door. He had good intentions, but he at least brought his dad a few moments, right? So again, Rand impresses me. He's running towards the shadows of the forest, right? But instead of going all the way in, he just drops to his belly and then, like, crawls back towards the barn because he can't stop thinking about his father. He ran off, but not away because he's constantly thinking, how can I help dad? How can I help dad? That, that To me, that's cool. So he sees the back door knocked down, hanging off his hinges. He sees shadowed shapes and low guttural voices, harsh languages not suited to the human tongue, the sound of steel on steel. I, I, I'm just saying, for Rand's first encounter with Trollocs, Fear or not, he's doing well. He's thinking logically. He is terrified, but he is making efforts. You know, 
hiding in the shadows, but not running off because he doesn't want to abandon his father. I just really like that. There is no shame in being afraid. There's only a problem if you don't act, if you don't, if you let that fear hold you back. And I love how while he's lecturing himself to be so afraid, he's, uh, he, uh, 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 what is it? The hoe handle falls over on top of him and he freaks out thinking it's more than it is. And then when he realizes how dumb he was there for a second, he calls himself a Copland fool. <laughs> so the Coplins and Congers are actually used in insults now. <laughs> that's, that's great. So yeah, he's, his dad's still fighting in the house. Uh, and he yells for his dad that, no, dad, I'm out here. So Tam bursts through the window and he, hearing his son, which is really cool. What is, what is going on with my phone? Uh, hearing his son, he actually points in the wrong direction and starts running that way and saying, you're like, run lad, run, which is cool. Cause in this moment, Tam is trying to throw off the, uh, throw off the Trollocs, which he actually pulls off before. That's cool. So Rand does what his father says. He's like, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna move like I'm stalking rabbits, which has always been kind of a thing of contention in the series. Like, you know, every time a Two Rivers person is in a situation and they want to move through unseen, they talk about moving like stalking rabbits. Like, you know, when Nynaeve breaks into the White Cloak camp later in the series. She's she's going to move like she's stalking rabbits. And I've heard people be like, well, how, like, these are soldiers, not rabbits and everything. But then they also describe that it used to be a game for these Two Rivers kids to run around the forest and sneak up on each other. Uh, I don't know how many of you have spent a good amount of time in the woods, but... Woods are loud. You have to pay attention not to step on twigs, step on leaves, step on... I mean, you have to be very careful. And for these kids to make a game out of stalking each other in the woods probably mean they can move ridiculously quietly, which I love. So Rand is kind of hiding in the trees. Uh, he's, he's not feeling great about it. He thinks the woods are just kind of terrifying right now. These woods he's known his whole life and has always felt safe in are suddenly feeling ominous, and the shadows deeper than ever before, and the wind making the the limbs scratch against each other is freaking him out, and uh, he is he 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 he's afraid. He really is, and that's when his father comes up from behind and grabs him his wrist and covers his mouth, and it turns out this was not the best move by Tam, because uh, you know Rand almost hurts him, and and uh, he's like, ah, oh, it's me, lad. Uh, if I'd remembered how big you've been getting, I probably wouldn't have done that. So he slides down exhaustedly. Rand is infinitely relieved that his father has found him. And they start talking. This is, uh, I keep getting lost in my notes. Where am I? I am so sorry, guys. What even makes it a little bit more embarrassing about getting lost in my notes is that I'm trying to remember the lines that are actually in my quote of the episode. Are you, yeah, so, yeah, this is when Tam's saying he's never seen a Trolloc before, but he's spoken to men who have, so he knows a little bit. As Trollocs can hear like a dog, maybe better, they can see well in the dark, they can smell very well and hear very well. Basically, Trollocs have animal senses that make it easier to catch their prey, which makes it really funny uh, when Tam says he lost them incredibly easily. <laughs> 
uh, he tells uh, Rand that they killed for the pleasure of killing. Yeah, and that Tam didn't really have a hard time getting rid of him, which is, is funny to me. Uh, but Tam is wounded. Uh, Rand's a little concerned, but Tam's like, ah, oh, it's just a scratch, nothing to worry about. At least the weather is getting warmer. Staying out here might not be so bad tonight. And Rand's kind of freaking out a little bit because, no, it's not warming up. I was just thinking about getting my coat and cloak. <laughs> my coat and cloak. So, Tam already has a fever this early, and it's a bit concerning. So, Rand wants to immediately take Tam to Nynaeve. Uh, but as he tries to pull his father to his feet, Tam just has this, like, awful, horrible groan of pain. And, uh, Rand quickly puts his father back down. Uh, this is a bit more than a scratch to justify, he's thinking, you know? So, Rand's like, I can't, I can't do this. He's going to go back to the house for supplies and pray to God the Trollocs are gone. Or pay, pray to the Creator that the Trollocs are gone. Uh, so he drops the hoe handle, because what use will that be, do? It, it, he thought it almost laughable, and instead draws his father's sword, and makes a few kind of, kind of swings in the air, and he's like, well, that swinging in the air is easy, you know. Plus, it's just a hunk of metal in his hands. At, at this point, Rand does not know how to fight with a sword. It's basically no more impressive than the hoe handle, except slightly more durable, you know what I mean? So yeah, he was desperately afraid, but he had no choice. He he makes his way back to the farmhouse very slowly, kind of drops onto his belly and starts crawling through. And you know he's looking through the house and seeing the candle light in the house, and he's just it's just the candles, Dad. Let's just the candles. There's no Trollocs in there waiting for me. Uh, he's getting more and more and more terrified, and this is when he notices something even more terrifying. There is no sound at all. And you'd think that's what you want, right? You're being pursued by scary monsters. You want silence. But what he's noticing is there's always sound on his farm. You know, the cows or the horses or something. There's always something making noise. So he kind of crawls over to the stone sheep pen and, and slowly, like, kind of reaches his arm in to touch one of the sheep. You know, he sees them laying there, but nothing, and his hand comes away wet with blood, and he remembers his father saying, they kill for the sake of killing. They enjoy it. And yeah, he's even more afraid, and he's nauseous, and he is wanting to get out of there. But if he ran back, how would he help his father, you know? he, need, he There's stuff in the house he needs. There's bandages, there's clothes, there's blankets, there's, you know, bell in the cart, there's uh, his bow, there's... Uh, medical supplies. So he has no choice. So he finally makes it to the house and he knows the stew is ruined. Uh, none of the furniture in the house is left whole. Everything has been smashed and destroyed. Uh, the Trollocs have spread over salt and uh, flour, cutting those bags open and went flying. So everything's covered in like white powder. Uh, but what he notices even more than all that is the stench. <laughs> you know, I forgot about Trollocs and shit. I really, I really, I really did. Uh, but there's vile smearings all over the wall. So how do you think that works? I mean, do you think a Trolloc just kind of hunches over, fills their hand, and starts smearing on the walls? That is disgusting. I mean, just, just, just awful. So Rand starts trying to get things together. But then one of the Trolloc bodies on the floor just gets up 
and we meet Narg, probably the most famous individual Trolloc, because I think he's the only Trolloc with a name, and the only Trolloc we ever hear speaking human language? I, 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 I don't, I don't know. Maybe you guys can correct me on that. You know, it's broken English. Narg, stay, narg, smart, you know, uh, he has a wolf muzzle and goat hooves, uh, and he's stepping towards, uh, Rand, and he's like, you know, don't do anything. You stay here. Others leave. Narg, stay. Narg, no people come back. Murdral want to talk to you. You wait here. Uh, and Rand is terrified. What do you guys think Aganor would think about Narg? Is Narg a singularity among Trollocs? Do you think Aganor would be fascinated or, like, disgusted and angry that a Trolloc is, like, thinking for itself? I don't know. That's just something that popped in my head right there. Yeah, so Rand, Rand again, he's being practical, you know, he's like, uh, you know, he tries to talk, uh... He tries to talk Narg to, you know, what, like, what do they want from me? What are you doing? Alright, maybe I'll wait, you know. Uh, and he lower, he kind of lowers his sword and kind of try to pretends to play along. He's not sure he trusts him, but you know what else can he do? He's terrified. Uh, Rand may be a big young man, but this Trolloc is, you know, huge. Um, and that's when Narg lunges. I don't, I don't, I don't really know if Narg actually was truly planning on holding him until the Murdral came back, or if this was just his clever way to kill Rand. Uh, but he tries to go at him, and Rand brings his sword back up just in time, his lucky break, and Narg impales himself on Rand's sword. Uh, but he doesn't die instantly, he's still snapping and struggling against him. Uh, poor Rand has to be terrified. I, I, it's just, it's just awful. He killed it, he killed it by mistake, which is really good luck for Rand. Uh, but he has to be just, just shaken and just terrified. Uh, so he decides he can't really wait around that much longer. It is much, much too dangerous if the Trollocs, and especially a Murdral is coming back. Uh, <laughs> this is where he's like, the stories say Murdral, or Fades, whatever you want to call them, are 20 feet tall with eyes of fire and road shadows like horses. And when a fade turned sideways, it disappeared, and no wall could stop them. Isn't that, isn't that a little interesting? Do you think that's the tales being spread around that's kind of mixing Baalzaman with Murdral? I mean, the Eyes of Fire is a very pointed description. Um, especially when you know that, well, you know, Murdrals actually can disappear into shadows that are dark enough. I don't quite know how that works, but they are kind of not fully in the world. And if they kind of step into a deep enough shadow, they can go somewhere else with a deep enough shadow. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of just love the stories, say, and the stories are really not worth listening to here. Uh, he retrieved his sword from Narg, cleaned it with a scrap of shirt that used to be long, that used to belong to Tam, gathered blankets, clean clothes for bandaging, coats and cloaks for warmth, a water bag, you know, for hydration, and a clean shirt because now he's all bloody and he doesn't want Egwene to see him, you know, not looking at his best, you know. I'm making a joke there, but I don't quite understand entirely why he goes through the trouble of a change of shirt. He's like, I don't know when I'll be able to change into it, but I want it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I can't sp speak much for this being ridiculous because me personally, 
I, I can't handle having my hands sticky or greasy or anything like that. I, I just can't. I have to get up and wash my hands. I, I, I can't do it. So maybe just Rand couldn't ha deal with the Trollic blood stained shirt, even in the situation. He just like, I need to get something else. Maybe, maybe the tiniest thing to help him make him feel better is the right step in this situation. I, I, I don't know. Uh, he's about to try to grab the medicine. I don't remember what it's all called. Willow bark and other stuff. But apparently the Trollocs found the medicine bowl and shit in it. I don't know. It was it was a, a pile of stink that he was afraid to go too near to. <laughs> uh, I can't think of anything else. So Trollocs are real jerks. So he, gra he grabs everything he grabbed. He threw it out outside. He takes a lantern and kind of heads into the barn hoping to get Bella... But Bella is gone, and the cart is broken, and he's a little bit, eh, a little bit worried now. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do. He can't carry his father back to the Two Rivers. For one thing, he didn't think he'd have the strength to do it himself, and secondly, the the pain of it might kill his father, and that's the last thing he wants. So he's starting to get really worried, and then he just kind of analyzes the card a little bit better and smiles, and he decides he's going to turn it into a litter. So he kind of tries breaking it down, and then he pulls out the sword, and he c cuts it loose. I don't, I don't know what he's cutting it in the shape of. Uh, he's just turning the cart into a litter. And uh, he's kind of amazed as he looks at the sword because he's, he comments that... After cutting through the thick, hard uh, wood of the cart, and the best axe would have needed sharpened. But the sword still looks freshly polished and sharpened. And he puts his thumb to it and kind of cuts his finger. So, yeah, yeah the, the blade is still sharp. The first time him learning about the power rot blades, right? Yeah, he returns to his father carrying the litter and all of his... Uh, supplies carrying not dragging because he didn't want to leave a trail to his father uh tam wakes up barely and he's like is that you boy i was i was worried about you having dreams of the past and nightmares no no dreams of days past i like i like the way that was said and nightmares which which we know what that is so apparently Rand uh, Tam dreamed through his earlier stuff and in the next chapter we're going to hear about Tam and the Aiel War <laughs> so yeah uh, the chapter ends with Rand beginning to bandage his father and assuring him that everything's going to be alright because all he has to do is get his father to the two rivers and to, uh, to Emmons Field and Nynaeve and everything is going to be okay yeah, that's the end of the chapter. Don't give Rand too much of a hard time because he doesn't know that Emmons Field got attacked as well. So, yeah, that was the end of the chapter. And it was good. There was so much action. Uh, Rand actually proved himself doing pretty good. Yes, he did not face the Trolloc down. But the two times he was confronted with one, he attacked. Or at least defended himself. He was clever and he wasn't so overcome by fear that he couldn't think rationally and I, I I love that aspect so yeah I don't think there's any reason to keep drawing this out that is the end of chapter 5 winter night and I'm excited to get into the next chapter so yeah that sums it up for this chapter guys I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did 
I hope you are enjoying this series as a whole because I'm having a fun time making this podcast series. I hope people are reading along with me or at least just using this to kind of refresh themselves with the series because I'm pretty sure we are all extraordinarily excited for the TV show coming soon. Uh, As always, apparently, I'm going to be ending these podcasts with a bit of a request. If you are an artist and would love to draw something the Wheel of Time, I do not think there's enough Wheel of Time fan art in this world. So draw something up, send it to me at gleemanradio at gmail.com, and I will give you a shout-out for how awesome you are as I feature it on the uh, YouTube video version of this podcast. Uh, And I will put it on my Twitter when I next get into it and shout it out there. You guys are amazing! Uh, Also, if you think you can record my spoiler intro better than me, I would love to see what character voices you guys can come up with. And uh, you can send me that at gleemanradio at gmail.com too. No pressure at all. Nobody has to do this. I just think it would be a fun way if anybody really is enjoying this podcast to kind of have their own participation in it. You know, they can go into this episode or that episode years later and be like, see that? See that? That I did that. How cool is that? I made that picture. Or I made that intro. Or I don't know. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day, wherever you are, morning, afternoon, or evening. Peace out. Take care. Bye.